Amen. Jimmy's new baby brother was screaming up a storm. He asked his mom, where did we get him? His mother replied, he came from heaven, Jimmy. Jimmy says, wow, I can see why they threw him out. <laughs> Welcome to Pentecost Sunday. Somebody left, uh, what's this? I don't know what this is. Let me put it at the communion elements. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> Welcome to Pentecost Sunday. Welcome everybody watching from home. No, this is going to be a special morning for you and God's really going to meet with you. Amen. This morning, I've got so much material to go through, so I just want to jump into it. I'm going to look at a lot of scriptures and I just want you to follow um, the hypothesis that I've built here and I, I believe it's going to really be a blessing to you. And I want to talk to you about catch the fire. Catch the fire. So several years ago, I think it was 2021, our country watched in shock when KZN and other cities were burned in the riots. I think we, we're still recovering from that shock. And in that instance, fire has got a negative connotation, doesn't it? Right? But without fire, how many of you know we cannot survive? Once again, South Africans, without fire, we can't survive because we can't bry. Amen? So, but fire brings heat. The heaters are in the front and still you guys are in the back. Okay. You're hot-headed this morning. <laughs> you know, fires are safe when they are contained. But when they're uncontained, they bring destruction. The Bible talks about a fire like that. Do you know that? Listen to this one. James 3 verse 5. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the cause of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. Okay, pluck out your tongue. Let's... Put it back in its little package. <laughs> Can you imagine not being able to speak for a month? Can you imagine the impact that will have? <laughs> All your marriage problems solved. <laughs> problems with kids solved. Right? And, and here's where the church in general has things really mixed up. We have mixed up the two kinds of fires. The Apostle Paul talked about the right kind of fire. So there's another fire. So first James talks about the fire that is set uh, by our tongues. Now Paul comes and he says in 2 Timothy 1 verse 6, I'm reading from the Amplified. That is why I would remind you to stir up, rekindle the embers of, fan the flame and keep burning the gracious gift of God. The inner fire that is in you by means of laying on of my hands with those of the elders at your ordination. So he's, he's, he's writing to Timothy. He says, Timothy, remember when I laid hands on you? That fire? You need, bro, you need to keep that one alive. Right? So there's two kinds of fire. There's a bad fire and a good fire. And, there's, there's, and he says, listen, this is a fire that should never be contained. God wants this fire to spread. So God doesn't want your tongue on fire. He wants your heart on fire. God wants our spirits and our hearts to be ablaze. He says, fan this flame in your spirit. Keep it burning. So you don't fan a flame unless you want it to spread. Amen. 
And there's a fire that God wants to spread, and that family is the fire and the gifts of the Holy Spirit on the inside of His children. He wants contagious Christians. He wants you to be a fire starter in that instance. But the church is full of fire starters when it comes, you know, or firefighters rather, when it comes to the passion and the Holy Spirit and fire starters when it comes to gossiping and stirring up strife. How, how much easier it is to spread a gossip story than it is to spread the fire of the Holy Spirit. No, you don't have to say amen. It's okay. I'm still going to preach, okay? Don't mix the fires, family. We have determined that there's a right kind of fire and a wrong kind of fire burning. But this morning, I want us to look just quickly at what stops the good fire. We're going to talk about some fire quenches. These things will quench the fire on the inside of you and stop them from spreading. Now, it might sound negative, but this is like a double-edged sword. So if you look at the negative, it will also tell you the positive. Is that okay? So number one... What will, quench, what will quench it? The lack of the Holy Spirit. So let me tell you that one of the biggest causes of a cold, fireless church is when those believers restrain the presence, the operation, and the move of the Holy Spirit. That's why you've heard me say so many times, never, never become indifferent to the anointing. If you've been in church for a while, if you've been in church for some time, especially a Pentecostal charismatic church, it is so easy for us to become indifferent to the Holy Spirit. What do I mean by that? I remember, now remember, I didn't grow up religious. The first time I walked into a Pentecostal church, where I walked into a church where the Holy Spirit was operating, family, I literally stood like this. <laughs> I've never experienced something like And this was truly a church that was on fire. There was just something different. It freaked me out. It freaked out my sister, my whole family. But you were sort of drawn to it in a good way. I saw people lift their hands. People clap their hands in, in, while they were singing. That was weird to me. And, and the only way I can describe it was light. Not only was it a beautiful sanctuary, but it, it was light. Everything in my life from that day forward changed completely. Right? And that's why I never, ever want to become indifferent to that. Because as years went on, and I, I remember sitting in services where the old elders of the church, and these are names that you might not recognize, but, but, but really in the Pentecostal church, they were huge. And we would have Wednesday evening services. And literally, people being prayed for, being elevated in the air. People just, being, just falling under the Spirit, not for flaky reasons, but the power of God was present. And I just said to myself, never do I want to become indifferent to that. Because as you become a professional Christian, as you get into ministry, you see these things. Like, 
Oh, here we go. May we never become like that. May the presence of the Holy Spirit always be sweet to us. Now, that is in a corporate setting. What about your personal life? What about at home? Nothing is sweeter to me than the presence of God while I have my devotional time. I can get up in the morning, thick eyes, like <laughs> zombie mode. We all know, hey, come on. Don't look at me like that in a judgmental way. You're not pretty when you wake up. <laughs> I love you, baby. You're so beautiful. Yeah, right. <laughs> right? I get up in the morning with coffee. Amen. <laughs> but the presence of God is there. That sweet, still voice. That same anointing is in your room. Never become indifferent to that. I love what Reinhard Bonnke said. He said, the less of the Holy Spirit you have in the church, the more cake and tea you will need to keep the people in church. <laughs> so you, we're going to have cake and tea for you after the service. No, no, but then that's not because the Holy Spirit is not here. Amen. So, so the Holy Spirit, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. People might understand a relationship with the Father, might understand a relationship with Jesus, but there's confusion when it comes to the role of the Holy Spirit in our daily lives. But here's what I believe, family. I believe that once you get to know the person of the Holy Spirit, you will fall in love with Him. So there are two ditches we see in the early church that I quickly want to look at when it comes to the role of the Holy Spirit. Ditch number one they, when people say there's no working of the Holy Spirit. So in Acts 19, we, reach this, we read this passage. Read with me. And it happened, while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? What an interesting question to ask people that you've just met. Have you ever met somebody, maybe you're on holiday, maybe at work, and you find out that person is also a believer? It's nice, isn't it? So the very first question Paul asked him is like, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we've not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said to him, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying that to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. So now he's explaining to them. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So these believers didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And even today we see many Christians either denying the work of the Holy Spirit or not understanding it. They'll say, watch out, are you going to that happy clappy church? Didn't they meet in a casino? You know, aren't they doing strange things? Aren't they speaking in weird tongues? You know, so fire makes these people uncomfortable. Like, too much now. Too much with this Christian thing. Too much with this, with this Holy Spirit thing. It's people that's afraid of the fire. Maybe even sincere believers. I mean, we don't want to get into that. That's a bit too extreme for us. 
Now, family, that's when our heads get in the way, isn't it? If you knew something would benefit you, wouldn't you want it? If I came to you and said, listen, I've got this bottle of pills, and this will really benefit you in this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and this way. You're going to say to me, Pastor, can I have some? Can I try it out? Amen? So let Scripture convince you, not other people's opinions. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, let Scripture convince you. We see the Holy Spirit being poured out in the, early in the book of Acts, and then the early church starts to grow at a rapid rate. Not only did the church grow numerically, the people grew spiritually. The gift of the Holy Spirit is given to the church to build up the church. Now, the gift of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit as listed in 1 Corinthians 12, can be classified into three groups. And this tells us more about the role of the church. So there's 12, and they're classified into three groups. The gifts of revelation, the gifts of power, and the gifts of utterance. You want to know more about that? Enroll for Bible school, okay? Then I'll tell you more about it. Because it, it really gets involved. It is so interesting. Once you start to study these gifts, the gifts of revelation, that is prophecy when we see, when God foretells certain things. And He will tell you, hear ye, hear ye. Watch out. Famine is coming. Prepare thyself. He wouldn't speak in Old King James necessarily, but if I really want to be dramatic... All good times are coming. Hold on. Don't quit on your faith. Good things are coming your way. That is foretelling. That is prophetic, right? That's why our Wednesday evenings are so important. That's where we say, Holy Spirit, have your way. We sincerely desire these gifts to operate in this meeting. Amen? The gifts of power. When we start praying for you and powerful things start to happen in your life, healings manifest. Amen. Gifts of utterance, right? There's so much. That's when you speak in tongues and, and God prophesies. But in any case, I'm, I'm, I don't want to get into that this morning. So in every place where, where in the book of Acts, it records people receiving the Holy Spirit, there are clear, visible, and vocal evidence of the Spirit's presence. So you can see it. In other words, the Holy Spirit doesn't show up and nothing happens. <laughs> There's always something. Get ready, get ready, get ready. I mean, There's always something that's going to happen when the Holy Spirit shows up. That's remember last week I asked in the service, uh, do you feel better when you leave a service than when you came in? That's the Holy Spirit. That's not man. That's not a man's gift. Amen. If you really want to laugh or something, you can go to a stand-up comedy show. The difference between church and a show is the anointing. Amen. It is the anointing. You can go to a beautiful performance and you might be touched emotionally. And it's nice. Tomorrow you forget about it. The day after, it's gone. But the residue of the Holy Spirit still remains if you've been here on a Sunday. Amen. It is supernatural. So here's the second ditch. 
There's an overemphasis on the working of the Holy Spirit. You say, Pastor, you, you just gave us this beautiful explanation. Well, how can there be an overemphasis? I'm going to explain this quickly. Paul had to address the issue in the Corinth church because there was no order. So he said in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 18, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. So it's like, guys, you need to understand. It's important for people to understand things. So this gift of utterance, this gift of speaking in tongues, shouldn't be worn as a badge of pride. You know, the charismatic church is a crazy place sometimes. People get weird. I remember in Bible college, I was trying to have a conversation with this dude. He was a fellow student. And all he would go, he would just zone out. Okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm trying to talk to you about something else. Now you're acting over-spiritual. That's, that's no good either. Amen? And Paul, and he says, like, guys, I would rather teach the church than speak the whole. Can you imagine me just standing here? You're not like, what are you doing? I don't understand. This is of no benefit to me. You might have a good time and a little me party going on there in front, but I'm feeling nothing. In fact, no, I am feeling something. I'm feeling weirded out, right? And that's what Paul was saying. He says, listen, things must be done decently and in order. But take careful note. Paul did not tell people to stop speaking in tongues. He ended the chapter of his letter. He says in 1 Corinthians 14, same chapter, verse 39. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Do not forbid to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. That's why there's order to our service. When you come here on a Sunday, why, why is it easy for you to invite somebody to come on, on a Sunday? Because you know what's going to happen. We're not going to all of a sudden throw you with gold dust, spray you with doom. Here's a nice piece of grass for you to eat. Like, we're not going to do weird stuff, right? No, no, we, you know there's an order to our service. And that's why it's comfortable and beneficial for you to come. And some people say, well, the more disorder, the more spiritual we are. You'll never hear me get up. And in more than 20 years of ministry, I've never done it. You'll never hear me get up on the platform, on a pulpit, and say, well, I didn't prepare anything. Let's see what the Spirit wants to do today. I do not believe in that. One of, one of uh, our, our dean in Bible college taught us a very valuable lesson. God... And His Holy Spirit is just as present in your preparation as He is in the pulpit. Amen. Amen. Did God ever change the course of a message? Yes, He's done that. Right? And that is His prerogative. But I'll never get up here unprepared. 
Let's see what's going to happen. And then the poor band, you milk them. Sing that song 40 times. It sounds spiritual. Amen? As a cover-up. No, no. Now, I said this because I want to make a point here. And this is important to me. Watch out for spiritual manipulation. Now, as a pastor, years ago, before YouTube and the internet, things were much easier. <laughs> but now there's so many, it's like in our kids' lives, there's so many influences. People are browsing. It is easy to watch, okay, I don't like this person. Listen, the church is not Netflix. Amen. <laughs> Let's see how season two is going of Unveiled Church. <laughs> it's like, no, it's not like Netflix. What happens here is spiritual. But there are charlatans out there. The cornerstone of the New Testament church is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. His atoning work of grace. That means, listen to me carefully, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit will never mimic witchcraft. His gifts are free. Listen to me carefully. You don't have to earn it or pay for it. His gifts are free. So any so-called prophet, apostle, pastor, whatever people call themselves these days, that connects the gift to either money or fear, family, are operating under a demonic spirit of witchcraft and not the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Paul said, why do you say that? Because there is witchcraft in the church. Because certain people allow it in the church. Right? So you'll hear a lot about God, but very little about Jesus. <laughs> because it doesn't qualify which God they're talking about. So I, I know of churches where there's a line. There's a 500 rand prophecy line, a 1,000 rand prophecy line, a 2,000 rand prophecy line. That is witchcraft. You cannot and don't have to pay for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If God wants to give you a prophetic word, He'll do it. Amen. He'll do it. And maybe He doesn't have a word for you. Maybe the word that's being preached is enough. But now I want to hear something from me. Now you open up yourself to the demonic. To a spirit of familiarity. A familiar spirit. Don't do that. Amen. <laughs> Be content. It's not pick and pay. It's not a buffet line. <laughs> I want that donut, please. <laughs> I, I remember years ago I was sitting and there was another guy. I don't know if I can call him a pastor or not. But he... He asked for a meeting with me, and I, I granted him the meeting. We sat, and the first thing, the first thing is like, man of God, what is God saying to me? I don't know what God is saying, bro, but I'm hungry. I came for lunch. You know, <laughs> don't, don't weird me out like that. Amen. The Holy Spirit keeps us on course. He testifies of the truth. 
He helps us keep error away. The Holy Spirit, listen to me, gives you a positive environment in which you can grow. It's not like these people that will ridicule you when you've made a mistake. He will not make you feel like you are a mistake. Remember that. He testifies of Jesus. Amen? And he's a fire starter. So here's the second fire quencher. It's pride. James 4 verse 6 says, he gives more grace. Say more grace. How many of you want more grace? I want more grace in my life. Amen. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 1 Peter 5 verse 5. He says, likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. That is such good advice. If you're not under submission, you can never be in a role of authority. Amen. You can never be in a role of authority. Always be under authority. And we see there's a, a very rebellious spirit going around at the moment. Well, I identify as a bumblebee, so therefore I submit to nobody. Amen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we feel sorry for you. And he says, yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility because it takes humility to submit yourself. It does, doesn't it? It irks the flesh <laughs> when you have to submit yourself. Well, I answer to God alone. <sighs> that is such a stupid statement. I'm, I'm sorry, and I'm being rude. But it's still stupid. Because the Bible says, listen, if you can't be submitted under delegated authority, how will you submit under God's authority? Because... Paul, not Paul, Luke writes and he says, he who is faithful in least will be faithful in much. So if you can't be faithful in the least, delegated authority, you will not be faithful in much, God's authority. Does it make sense? Amen? And he says here, be submissive to one another, be clothed with humility. Why? For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. That's why it's also so nice to be part of a church. We can say, listen, let's, let's be submissive to one another. And I know, you know, some of our ushers here, some of our people working here, in, in their environment in where, where they are working and stuff, you don't know who's serving you. <laughs> There's some people very high up, very powerful people, and they serve you communion. You don't even know, Right? That's the beauty. I love that one of the richest men who ever, ever lived, John D. Rockefeller. Do you know what he did in his church when he, stayed, he was living in Manhattan? He was a janitor. He cleaned the toilets. <laughs> I mean, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. It's interesting to me that two of the apostles quoted this verse. It comes from Proverbs 3 verse 34. That tells me it must be very important. So when we hear the word humility, we can easily get the wrong impression. So I'm just going to explain it quickly. We think humility is when we wear old worn out clothes, look like we've been on a steady diet of broccoli and lemon juice, you know, and uh, yeah, I'm so humble. No, that's not humility. We conjure up guys with weird hairdos and they can chant the Bible verbatim or something. I don't know, but... 
Can I be honest with you and say to me to you that to me that's a picture of pride, not humility. It's like I said last week. Now I heard this quote from Pastor Ray. I don't know where it comes from originally, but humility is the ability to receive what you don't deserve. Humility is the ability to receive what you don't deserve. That means God's grace. Because we don't deserve that. Some of the most prideful people I know are poor. Well, that's just the way I am, Pastor. That was the way I was born and I'll never change. That's pride. If it ons mense is, mos regheid mense. Ons sê ons is wat hy is. That is pride. Right? Well, Pastor, that's just who we are. That's the way we were born. So gemaak, so gelat sta. Shame. Okay. And some of the humblest people I know are actually very wealthy people. Pride removes the power of God from your life. I don't know about you, but I don't want God to resist me. <laughs> Amen. It will quench the fire of the Holy Spirit almost quicker than anything else. Why? Because a prideful attitude believes that you can do things in your strength, your own strength, what only God can do for you. Pride cannot accept what Jesus has already done for you. So can you imagine? Um, I don't know if you know art, but one of my favorite artists is Vermeer. How many of you have ever heard of Vermeer? A Dutch, okay, that's not going to work. Um, <laughs> Rembrandt, anybody heard from Rembrandt? Anybody seen the works of Rembrandt? That's like old masterpieces. Imagine, <laughs> I walk up to the Louvre in Paris, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I see this masterpiece. I grab a brush and paint like, no, honey, this can do a bit better. <laughs> and I try and fix one of those masterpieces. Like, I really feel Mona Lisa was actually a man, so I'm just going to put a moustache there. <laughs> you <know? laughs> can you imagine? You cannot perfect what is already perfect. You cannot complete a finished work. Jesus' work on the cross was complete. He cried out, it is finished. So pride says, well, I must do more to earn it. I cannot deserve it. So that is why humility is a prerequisite for receiving grace. Pride will quench the fire in your heart faster than anything else. Pride will make you blind to God's grace. Pride likes to boast in its own efforts. Pride likes to, to, to earn things. Pride can so easily turn into an entitlement mentality, can't it? Pride hinders us from hearing God's voice. Bill Johnson said humility is the heart condition that attracts God's voice into your situation. So humble hearts hear well. A humble heart hear God's voice easier. Amen? There's something about saying like, God, I cannot, but you can. I've tried so hard. 
I've tried in my own effort. I've tried getting rid of this thing in my life. But I come to you, Lord. Come and do what only you can do. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't that just lift a weight off your shoulders? But this is the opposite of what religion has taught us. But religion is filled with pride. Religion taught us, earn it. Pay for it. Stand in the 1,500 Rand prophecy line. Come on. Wet van Transvaal. Amen? We're going to pay for it. We're gonna, we have to earn it. I have to do something. I have to fast more, pray more, do this more, do that more. Amen. Do you know that God is more eager to speak to you than you are to hear sometimes? You were created with the ability to hear God's voice. Think about that. The reason why we don't hear it many times is because we get in the way. I love the fact that the Apostle Peter quoted this passage in the context of the Holy Spirit. Because the more you depend on your own efforts, the less the Holy Spirit can operate. There's something about that surrender. Just surrendering to you, Lord. Come and have your way. I want to close with my last fire quencher that will really stop fire in your life and that's staying away from home what do you mean by that pastor glad you asked let's go to hebrews 24 it says and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some after COVID 19 but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day. What day? The rapture approaching. So here's another thing that will quench fire in your life very quickly. One of, okay, yeah, I, I want to tell you a story. So, so many of you know that my mother-in-law, she's a marionette master, but she also do shadow theater. And she's got this beautiful little skid where um, there's this coal, this heap of coals. And one of the coals rolls out. And after a while, you see the light goes out. It's a simple picture. But that's what happens when you're not assembled together. Your light will go out. The fire will quench on the inside of you. If we do not meet up, winter or no winter, come on, Unveiled Church. Cold or not cold. We've got heaters in here, I promise you. you they're so toasty, you can make toast on them. Amen. So... When we do not assemble together, when we're not with one another, our fire goes out, our light goes out. It is like um, training alone. So I've got a training partner. And this past week, he, he got flu. Guess who didn't train? Amen. <laughs> Every now and again, yes, I feel it in my throat. <laughs> you know, you make up excuses, right? <laughs> but when you're accountable to someone, when you're with someone, if you're surrounded by passionate people, guess who's going to become passionate? Amen? Uh, me and my boys were talking some years ago, before COVID, I took them to a rugby match in, uh, at, at Alice Park. I don't know what it's called now. I, I call it Alice Park. That's <laughs> right? And I took them to a rugby match. They don't know much about rugby because I never forced them to play rugby. 
and they don't know much. But every time somebody jumped up, like, yeah, we all jumped up. Yeah. Like, why? Because it's so freaking nice to do it. Amen. <laughs> You're like in the spirit of the thing. People's passion are like, he even spilled his Coke. Jesus even spilled his Coke, sat back in it. Like, oh, I'm sticky the whole time. The Uber driver's like, what are you doing to my car, bro? <laughs> I mean, like we all just so passionate. And that's the same when we assemble together. Like Jonathan jumped up, yeah, what's happening? I don't know what's happening, but yeah, <laughs> right? And sometimes it's good. Sometimes you just need somebody to stir up passion on the inside of you. Like, I'm so excited, right? I'll, I'll never forget. Remember I told you the first time I walked into a Pentecostal church? There's another story to that story. So remember how I grew up. Then grew up religious. Grew up in bars and stuff. My dad was an alcoholic. My dad wasn't a touchy-feely person. So the first time we walked into that church, like somebody knew because somebody invited us. You never know whose life you're going to change by inviting them to church. Let me just say that. And sometimes it is the most, uh, you, you, you never thought that person would come, but they'll come. My dad was one of those. So he walks into church. This gentleman is waiting for him. He's like, Tom, how are you? And he did something, remember, which time we're talking about now. He did something I've never seen in my life because men don't do this. He walked and he hugged my dad. I promise you, I stood back because I was waiting for the smack. We made Ricky. Like I was waiting for it to happen, for my dad to smack. This, but he hugged my dad and he just held him. And that assembly, us coming together, us praising God like that? Guess who got passionate about it? Right? You never know whose life you're going to change by inviting them to church. It saved my life. Saved my life completely. One of the analogies for the church is a house or a home. Ever heard it? House of God. We talk about the house of God. If you go to work every day, where do you go to when you come back? Home. You go home. You recuperate. You spend time with family. Ladies, that's why a home should be a safe place for your husband. Like if, if he walks in there and like, why is your socks over there? Why is your underwear there again? Why can't you do this? Why? He's not going to want to come home. Just saying. Amen? A home is a safe place. And why do we go home? You can't stay at work the whole time. Why? Because you'll burn out. You'll burn out. So one of the first signs that there's trouble in a family is when one of the family members starts staying away. When they don't want to come home. And the same is true spiritually. You might think you're okay, but you're not. The more you start drifting away from home, the more it's a sign that there's trouble. Something has grown cold. That coal is starting to lose its heat. Something is wrong. 
something is out of balance. God gave you a safe place. He says, listen, I don't want you to be an orphan. I've given you a safe place. And, and, and young people, one of the biggest, biggest gifts your parents are giving you is dragging you to church. Because now in my life, I don't want to get up in the morning. None of us really do. But let me tell you, there's going to come a time in your life where this is what you're going to remember. These services. When, I, when, when adulthood hit me, I mean, if you know what I'm talking about, guess what I remembered? Guess where, where I went back to? Home. A safe place. A place of acceptance. A place of love. And may this be what you experience in this church. That it's a place of love. So please, don't lie to yourself. If the, if the unction is there to stay away from church. To stay away from your family. To stay away from the rest of us. It tells me something is wrong. And it should tell you the same thing. Don't let that quench your fire. Amen? Every eye closed, every head bowed. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you, Lord, for your acceptance. Thank you, Lord, that, that Lord, you've given us a home. And you say, you don't want us to be orphans. You might be watching at home. I know many of you are watching from home. Or you might be sitting here and you might say to me, you know what, Pastor? I feel like an orphan. I don't feel like, I don't feel like God is my father. Pastor, if I should blow out my last breath within the next 24 hours, I'm uncertain of where I will open up my eyes, heaven or hell. I'm truly not sure. Then listen to me, this is your moment. This is the moment that God has been waiting for since the day you were born. You can make right with God. You can make God your heavenly father. You say, how do I do that? Do I join a church? Do I change my behavior? No. You just invite him into your life. Invite him into your heart. How do I do that, boss? A simple prayer. Listen, it's not difficult to come to God. It's not difficult to become part of the family. God said in Psalm 91, if they cry out to me, I will answer them. And He will answer you. It's a cry to Him. And maybe you've never done this. Maybe you've come to this church. Maybe you've been here for some time, but you've never really truly prayed this prayer. Maybe you're watching at home and you know in your heart I'm talking to you. In your head there's a battle, but in your heart you know I'm talking to you. Will you pray this prayer out loud with us? Just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for my sins. I'm a sinner. Therefore, I qualify for your grace. I invite you now to be my Lord, to be my Savior. Thank you, Lord, that I can call you Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. My friend, if you've prayed that prayer, maybe you were here, maybe you're watching online, please don't leave. Don't switch off without writing to us on the platform that you are watching this. 
And we want to get this to you. And uh, we know it's going to explain the decision that you've made. There's some nice scriptures, some nice study that you can do in there. And it will really help you. Don't leave without it. Amen? How many of you glad you came? Amen. Remember when I said everything in this church is done decently and in order? Remember that? Amen. Who's next? <laughs> I can't remember which one of you two is doing what because I don't have the flow chart. <laughs> it's Pastor Quivers. Hey, come on, let's give Pastor Quivers a hand. The man, the myth, the legend. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Norman. Morning, everybody. Well, this morning as we prepare our hearts to receive communion, uh, and the, the uh, ushers and hostesses can just start handing out for us, please. Um, the scripture that we normally read is in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks broke it and said, take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, or you also took the cup after supper, saying, this is the new cup of the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And this morning, we're partaking of communion. And there's one thing that I just want to highlight to you, and is we're doing it in remembrance of him. Now, why do we have to remember? And it's good sometimes just to go back to your basics, to the, your foundations and saying, why do we do what we do every, every Sunday? And in Psalm 103, it says, Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not his benefits. There are so many things this morning that we can be grateful for. I'm standing here today and I'm, I'm saying that I'm eternally grateful for the things that God has done in my life. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful. I'm eternally grateful for what He has done in my life and what He's still going to do for me in the future. And that's why it's so important to be grounded in the Word of God. Like Pastor Norman was saying to you, do not forsake the gathering of the brethren together. Because there we get reminded of why we're doing what we're doing every Sunday. There's just a couple of things that we need to remember and be grateful for. The gift of eternal life. We are grateful this morning that we can sit here and stand here today and saying that, you know what, we've got eternal life. We that are sitting here today, we will never die. We will live on forever. Yes, our body will die, but our spirits will live on forever. Whether you like it or not, we're going to spend eternity together. Amen. <laughs> that our sins are forgiven. Thank God for that. I can just remember some of the things that I've done in my life, and I'm eternally grateful that God has forgiven me. That we are reconciled to God. That we back connected to God who created us in His image. Wholeness, healing in our life. Spiritual and physical sustenance. That's what we get here every Sunday. We get spiritual food from the Word of God. 
the power of the Holy Spirit, as Norman was talking about, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Our life would have been so dry without the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, we're doing this in remembrance of what God has done for us. Peace. Peace in our life. God gives us peace so that when we face all the things in life, that we can stand back and say, God, I trust in you. And I know, Lord, that you will give me peace. It passes all understanding. That no matter what comes to me or towards me, that I can stand in confidence and know that you will look after me. And so this morning, if I can just move the, the remote out of the way. His body was broken for us. So through his broken body, we can receive healing, prosperity, wholeness, peace. So let us partake. This cup is the cup of the new covenant. We do this in remembrance of him. We are remembering what Jesus has done for us on the cross this morning. And we are eternally grateful for that. Let us partake. Father God, we just come to you right now. And we are eternally grateful for your goodness in our life, Father. Father, we want to declare today that you are an awesome God. That you are majestic. Father, we thank you that we can praise you this morning. And Father, we say out of our hearts that we are eternally grateful, Father, for your goodness in our life. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. Let's just welcome Mpo as he comes to receive the offering. Let's give him a hand. Thank you, Pastor Kovas. Well, good morning, church. Good to be in the house of the Lord, amen? And happy Pentecost, if there's anything like that. Happy Pentecost. <laughs> it's Pentecost Sunday anyway, amen? Right, I've got some few scriptures to read as we receive the offering today. I'll let the scripture speak for itself. My role is just to encourage everybody to give, Amen. So we'll start with Deuteronomy 16, verse 16 to 17. It says, three times a year, all your males, now including females, shall appear before the Lord <clears throat> your God in the place of which he chooses. We are in the house of God. At the Feast of Unleavened Bread, we've just celebrated Passover. At the Feast of Weeks, we're celebrating Pentecost, Feast of Weeks. This is the same period, 50 days after after Pentecost, okay? And then the Feast of the Tabernacles, which is the covering and the protection and the presence of God. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. It's not me, it's written. You come into the house of the Lord, you do not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. 
So you come into the house of the Lord according to what he has given you. You bless according and you give according to what he has given you. You tithe according to what he has given you. Amen? So he has enabled us to be where we are today. And Malachi 3, 10 to 12 says, Therefore, because he has given us, bring all the tithes, the whole tenth of your income, into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and prove me now by it, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing that there shall, be, there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer, uh, the devourer, insects, plagues, the devil, everything that is negative for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground. Neither shall the vine drop its fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you happy and blessed, for you shall be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. I want to be called happy and blessed. I give, I tithe, because I want to be called happy and blessed. So if I'm not called happy and blessed, that means I've not met this requirement. I've not kept this principle. So this is what I want us to have, to come to a position where we are called by nations happy and blessed. And they will ask us, how do we get to this position? And we'll remind them that it's because the Lord is taking care of us. Amen? Luke 6.38 says, give and gifts will be given to you. You see, give and gifts, not a gift, gifts will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Will they, who's they? We live in the land of people. People around you will give to you. People around you will give to you. Why? Because you give what the Lord has given you back to the Lord. But he will make sure that everybody around you gives to you. And that's what we normally refer to as what? Divine helpers. Okay? They will pour into the pouch formed by the bosom of your robe used as a bag. You see, when you think about pouch, usually we think of a pocket or a handbag. This, this, this was not what they were looking at in the context. In the context, the pouch ran from the shoulder all the way to the, to the waist because it needed to carry something. So when the farmers grow and sow grain, they put the grain inside the pouch, and the pouch is huge. It's bigger than what you are able to conceive as a, as a pocket. So it's not just a pocket size. It's bosom size. So bosom size. It's bosom size. <laughs> that, is the, that is the size of the pouch. So it's a bigger container. Amen? And it says it will fill the pouch. The pouch will be pressed down, shaken together. So you can shake whatever that is in there, and it makes room for more. As you pour out, some is coming in. You pour out, others are giving. You pour out, others are giving. Into that pouch, and it continues to run over. Amen? So it's not just about a little pocket size, receiving that you're having, but a bosom size. Amen? It says... For with the measure you deal out, with the measure you use, when you confer benefits on others. So when you give to the church, it's your way of conferring benefits to others. Why? Because others are watching online who, who, who may not have heard of this church. 
And this recording, one day they will stumble into it and they receive the message and they are encouraged and they are drawn into the kingdom. Why? Because of the, the, the finances that you are sowing into the ministry. Others in the community here get to be fed through, through the outreaches. Why? You are conferring benefits to others. That's your way of conferring benefits to I told you, Scripture will speak to it for itself. And it will be measured back to you. So there's nothing that you are doing that, that is basically in vain. But the Lord can see what you're doing. And he will make people around you to respond and support you. And they will take care of you. And he will take care of you through others. Because you are taking care of others you're becoming a channel that he can take care of others through you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give, Lord. We thank you, Father, that today, as we come before your house, Lord, we, we just want to express your love to you, O oh God. We just want to express your, your goodness by our giving, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We love you. That's why we give, Lord. We don't give from a place, Lord, of being manipulated or a place, Father, of confusion, but we know we have a hope in you. And we know that as we give, Lord, you will give back to us. You will use others to give back to us and enable us to continue to give, Lord. We thank you for, the, for this ground, O oh God, and we declare it, it is, Lord, fruitful ground, Lord. And we thank you that every seed that is sown here will bear fruit. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right, we have different ways of giving. The ashes will pass through the buckets. And um, those that are paying with SnapScan and, and, and uh, the machine, it's right at the back. Thank you very much. You know? Amen. You made it. You're still alive. Even though the sun is not shining outside. <laughs> Amen. Wonderful. I'm going to close the service for us. You can just sit like this. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord makes his face to shine upon each and every one of you. Thank you, Lord, that as we go into this week, Lord, we go with a confident expectation of good because your favor surrounds us as a shield. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that your favor opens up doors that we need to walk through, close doors that we need to stay out of. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the lifter of our head. You are the lifter of our heart in this coming week. I thank you, Lord, that you keep us and our loved ones safe. You keep us safe from harm, safe from any accident or disease, safe from any virus or mutated virus. Thank you, Lord, that wherever we go in this coming week, we will get preferential treatment knowing, Lord, that we are led by your Spirit and you always lead us to life. I pray that our ears will be in tune to hear your voice in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, Amen. Bless you guys as you go. Thank you so much.